Hello, my peeps. Hello, peeps, peeps, peeps. It's uh, good to be with you. It is, what is today? It's Thursday. I mean, it's Thursday. And it's currently nine o'clock, quarter past nine in the morning in America. I mean, America, people. Uh, in, a, in a little place called Minneapolis. If you're anywhere near Minneapolis, then hey, how you doing? I uh, am here because I'm graduating. Uh, just finish up some studies with the amazing... University Trinity Bible College and Graduate School. Shout out to all the Trinity people. I'll see you in North Dakota in about seven hours because we're having a road trip. Me and a good friend, Roger Clutie, and uh, another friend, Ralph, who's not, I mean, I know Ralph. I think I've high-fived him one time. But Ralph, if you're listening to this, we'll pretty much be besties after our road trip. So that's cool. Then we can get matching tattoos and all the good stuff. And uh, flew in to America yesterday. And guys, I went to New York City for the first time. New York City. I've never been to New York City, right? And it's always been a bucket list experience. Went to that city. It blew my mind. New York City is one of the coolest cities. I think I'm going to have to come back just to just to be in New York. New York is one of those places that you don't just go to. It kind of happens to you, right? I don't, know, I don't know if you've been to New York City. If you have, you know what I'm talking about. This place is an event, particularly for a guy who kind of grew up in Benoni, Johannesburg. You know, the closest thing I've seen to a to a skyscraper is kind of ponty, you know, uh, and then you go to New York, man. And I have been to Dubai and other places like that where there are these cool skyscrapers, but I don't know, man, New York has got another thing going. It's got another vibe. It's got energy, the taxis. I just felt like I had to, I wanted to walk in front of a car so that I could stop. And then I could say, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I just wanted to have like that moment, you know, and uh, me and a good friend, J Jeremy Bradford, Jez, if you're listening to this, how's it? Uh, he's studying at Columbia University, uh, doing some fantastic stuff, uh, and he's uh, looking at possibly doing his PhD, and we were actually just chatting as we walked the streets of New York about all the phenomenal things he's doing, particularly research around friendship and what that means and uh, as a redemptive kind of agent, and uh, maybe one day we'll have him on the podcast just to talk about all the incredible stuff that he's learning. So I'm super excited for his future. But we're walking through the city and he takes me to Times Square, which is like, it is like every movie you've ever seen. Times Square is nuts. If you, I mean, just the buildings that are TVs and just, it's very cool. And then we went to, uh, we went to Central Park, beautiful place, Central Park, trees and some dude who was drumming his face off, the most amazing drummer. It was really, really cool. And subways as well. I love subways. Uh, it's amazing how subways are actually pretty similar. London subways, Greece subways, uh, New York subways, beautiful. And um, I actually saw a couple of guys getting into a fight, which was interesting <laughs> because I think I think uh, they were selling like bike rides through Central Park, and I think some guys were encroaching on other guys' business. So they weren't they weren't loving life, and they were getting a bit upset. And I had a hot dog. I had a hot dog from a New York City hot dog stand. You got to have one of those, right? And um, so it was it was amazing. New York was. Phenomenal. And the, the thing I, I left with, um, which I thought would be a great way to, to pick up here, is that um, New York, it, it doesn't, uh, it happens to you, right? You don't, you don't just go to New York. You don't experience New York from a distance. If you do, 
man, we are very different people then. And uh, but I'm not. I'm not even sure how you would do that because it is just so overwhelming. You can understand why Spider Man was born in New York, like you know, doing that thing because everything's buildings and every street you turn down, there's another skyscraper, and it just goes as far as the eye can see. It's radically cool. And from the air, man, it's cool. It's got all the lakes and the and all the different things going on. It, it's it's radical. Speaking about Spider Man, shout out to all the Avengers people. Uh, Endgame, Endgame happening today from. Uh, I, I'm not going to be able to watch it for a bit, so no spoilers. But I hope that as you go watch it, just get your mind blown. It, I'm I'm too excited for that movie. But um, New York City, you don't experience the city from a distance. It kind of it gets into your bones, right? There's like there's not a way that you can be a passive observer of New York City. You you kind of become this active. Uh, participant in what the city is as the cars are driving and the people are walking and the sirens are going and the fire trucks and it's and the vendors and the people shouting and selling things um, down Broadway it's just it's it's a lot man and it's exciting right and I feel like you just you kind of take a bit of New York with you wherever you go I feel like when I get back to South Africa, I'm just going to maybe try and walk in front of a taxi and be like, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. How you doing? How you doing? You know, I'm just, I want to do that thing. So if you see me in Johannesburg and I start saying things like, how you doing? Just, you know, a little bit of grace. I'm just carrying a little bit of New York with me uh, back to SA, right? And that, this idea that this, it's this, this reality that you enter into that you don't only experience but has an effect on you. You don't only observe, you don't casually walk the streets of New York um, unaffected by its presence on you. New York has an impact on you, right? I just thought that was one of the best ways to start our conversation that ends off this series about what the gospel's supposed to do in us. The point of the gospel is not trying to get us into heaven, right? And we've said this a hundred times already in this series. The point of the gospel, what Jesus is doing, who Jesus is, is trying to get heaven into us. Pour heaven into us and then pour heaven out of us all over the earth. The point of the gospel is to have heaven crash in to our reality. And that's what we want to talk about on the episode today. Who is Jesus? What is he doing? And what does it mean to follow him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is the Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. Okay, so we're into our final episode of the series, man. I, man, I hope that you've been enjoying it. I've, I've really been getting some some positive feedback from the episodes. Last week's one... Uh, it was an interesting one for me, to be honest, because I was with family, and we were we were away at uh, the Zebula place, and I was having Easter in a very different way. It was it was interesting not to be, uh, I guess, in a more kind of formalized church setting over Easter. I haven't done that for a number of years, but man, the Lord just met us in such beautiful ways with my family, and it was a real it was a special special time. But I also didn't feel like I had enough time to really get my thoughts clear, and so I just kind of spoke from the heart with that last episode and to be honest I was saying to my dad actually I don't know if I really felt that episode you know and yet uh, quite a few people I would say it's the episode that's maybe had some of the strongest response in terms of how it resonated with people so that's always just a reminder to me that uh, the stuff is always God at work you know it's never it's never you and your skill set we give that to God but God does his thing anyway um 
And so we, we've been going through the series, and in essence, what we've really been talking about is, what is the gospel? What is this idea that undergirds the Christian message, the, the, the Christian faith in the world? And, and how then do we begin to live into God's imagination for our lives? A death in the family and other good news, and we've just been pulling that apart. And today... What we said was that this death, uh, well, the gospel ultimately is Jesus, and Jesus' invitation is for us to become human again, and, and that this has impact uh, on all of us as a society, as people, um, that the idea of being saved isn't uh, or rescued by Jesus, isn't just to kind of enter into some closed tribe, but actually enter into our full human experience and that you know the central point of Jesus dying on the cross and then being resurrected from the grave this new life we do, we don't have to fear death anymore we don't have to fear our smallness we don't have to try and preserve the illusion of our bigness right um, but actually there's a significant insignificance that we can enter into and how Jesus apprehends death and repurposes it for for resurrection <laughs> that that idea is just so powerful and that as he's raised from the dead we find in him a savior who's actually worth following that this jesus isn't just an idea he's not just some kind of far off philosophy he's not one among many his grave is empty and that we don't look for the living among the dead, right? The Jesus we follow is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, he, he has defeated death itself. And by entering into it and disempowering it, he has enabled us to walk out of the tomb with him. And that's kind of the journey that we've come on so far. And then we land today and ask the final question, well, now what? Now what? Right, So we've walked out of the tomb. We have, by the grace of God, uh, placed our faith in this person, Jesus. And by that, we don't just mean conceptual belief. We mean a life surrendered to the lordship of this guy and, and, and a, a way of being that is submitted to his way of being. And, and now we're there. We're standing outside the tomb. We've come out of our own deaths. And now what? Right? What do we do next? Where do we go from here? And to answer that question, we come back to our passage in 1 Corinthians 15 that we've been looking at for the past uh, two episodes and now today as well. The reason, if you, if you need reminding, the reason we're going to 1 Corinthians 15 is because this is the earliest recording of what we call the apostolic gospel. In other words, um, that tradition of good news that was handed down from follower of Jesus to follower of Jesus in the earliest days uh, of the Christian movement, uh, we see it recorded and mimicked in places like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and, and just really the heritage of our church. These are the simple uh, kind of fundamental non-negotiables, you could say, that tie the Christian faith together. And so this is why we come back to 1 Corinthians 15. And we started by looking at um, this idea that Jesus died for our sins. And then we looked last week at this idea that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and appeared to many. And then Paul goes on kind of a personal rant, I guess. He's sharing a whole bunch of different thoughts. And then he lands back in the apostolic tradition uh, in around verse 20 there. And I just want to read some parts to you, and then we'll, we'll get going. And remember, the question is, well, what now? Right? So we believed in Jesus. Uh, we have walked out of the tomb with Jesus. We have, been, we have a doorway that is now open to us. And the question is, what, how do we walk through the doorway? Where does the doorway lead? What now does it mean to truly be human? 
And so here in verse 20, it says, In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, and then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And so the first thing I want to talk about is this idea that uh, when we walk out of the tomb, we walk out as a new person. A new person, right? Jesus being the first um, you could say template of a new humanity that he has recreated in his death and resurrection. And one of the key things that we want to really highlight here is that when we get rescued, we don't get rescued to more of us. And this is one of, if we, if we can say this with, with gentleness, but also a necessary honesty here, this is one of the lies of humanism that has subtly worked its way into our Christianity, which is the lie that, that the point of of the Christian faith and the Christian gospel is, is basically to be a genie for all of our misdirected desires. That, that the hope of Jesus um, is that we would be saved through, through some kind of conceptual belief and then that Jesus could be co-opted into our individual missions and that he could be kind of repurposed for our individual desires. And this is the kind of Jesus that we get when the biggest things on, our, on God's agenda, at least in our minds, are the car we drive and uh, a new set of clothes and our own personal ambitions, etc., etc., etc. Now, it's not that God doesn't care about our individual issues. But do you know there's that, there's that uh, psalm, it says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, right? That has been so misread in the idea that, well, if we just make Jesus, if we just delight in Jesus, then he'll give us whatever we want. And whatever we want will be the same things that we used to want before we delighted in Jesus, right? But in order to understand this concept, what what the scriptures are really trying to speak about and what the gospel is trying to speak about is actually that as we delight in ourselves in the Lord, Jesus gives us the desires of our hearts. In other words, he puts those desires in there. There's a replacing of old desires, old ways of thinking, uh, with new ways of thinking. And where do all these new ways of thinking come from? They come from a new person who is created in the gospel. When you were rescued in your belief in Jesus, as you started to submit yourself to his lordship, to his reign in your life, he didn't preserve the old you. Okay, This is why there's no resurrection without a crucifixion. He assassinated the old you. <laughs> and that, if we're honest, friends, that's the best news you've heard all day. Because you and I are terrible kings and queens of our kingdom, right? What we do when we rule and reign in our lives is we wreck stuff. We break things. The saving that we needed was saving from ourselves. The gospel is a coup against your rulership in your life. It's God dethroning you, taking you out of the center of the story. So when you walk out of the tomb, you don't walk out as more of you. You walk out actually as dead. Jesus is the first fruit. He's the first in a line of many who look like him. This is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look uh, sort of from, from verse 16. 
It says this, it says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, in other words, because we regard no one to the, according to the flesh, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone's walked out of the tomb with Jesus, that person is a new creation. And that means that the old creation has passed away, it's gone, and the new creation has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Okay. So the first thing we want to get our heads around is that when we walk out of the tomb, if heaven is to crash in through our lives, we have to understand that we are not rescued for more of us. It is no longer us who live. It's Christ who lives in us. So the goal of your life, having given yourself to Jesus, having walked out of your tomb, is no longer your own personal self-indulgent agenda. The goal of your life now becomes his agenda, his purpose, his meaning, right? Um, he comes, Jesus comes, and he invades your world. That's what it means to walk out of the tomb. And so the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you, but not to resurrect you. That's the waters of baptism, right? When you go into the waters, you die. And then as you come up out of the waters, you are resurrected into a new nature. And that new nature is Christ in you. And with this new person comes a new authority, right? This is where in, in Matthew 28 and the, the Great Commission where Jesus purposes us for work, which we're going to look at now, it says all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to Jesus. And that's what we looked at last week, right? That his resurrection was actually the enthroning of Christ above all things, the Father placing all things under the feet of Jesus. Okay, so there's this new authority that's in operation in us that as we've walked out of the tomb, we are no longer ourselves. We are now increasingly Christ in the world. That Christ spirit, that Jesus reality, that real humanity, the initial intention in the garden that Jesus now exemplifies becomes us. Okay, we are now that. And being that, we have a new purpose. So your, your old purpose is gone. With the new person comes a new purpose. And that purpose is what, what could be called the reality or the kingdom of God. Okay, if we go back to that 1 Corinthians 15 passage, um, it says that Jesus is the first fruits. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is the plan that he is accepted uh, who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the father who put all things under him that God may be all in so what is this passage actually saying? It's saying that when Jesus was enthroned, when he was resurrected, right, all things were placed under him. And yet what we said is that there's a now and not yet kingdom reality. And so there will come a time when that reaches its fullness. But until such time, Jesus rules and reigns. And then by us, he is bringing that reality. Heaven is crashing in into this world uh, by the power of God in us. We see this again in 2 Corinthians 5, this passage. It says um, that because the old has passed away and because we have been reconciled to God through Jesus, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
what is that ministry? It is, it is that in Christ, God reconciled the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and entrusted to us, the people who are like him, who've walked out of the tomb with him, a message of reconciliation. So because we've been entrusted with this message, because we've been giving, given this purpose, we become ambassadors for Christ. And God, the creator of the whole universe, he begins to make his appeal through us. Right? He makes his appeal through us to the world. And so what we then do, the purpose of our life, is to implore all people on behalf of this Jesus to be reconciled for God, to tell them that for their sake, the Father has made the Son become sin so that in him, all people may actually become the righteousness of God. And what, what does this mean? It means that... Um, when Jesus died, when he was resurrected, the way has been made open for all people. The door is open. And that way is not just open to you. That door is open to all people. Okay, It means the kingdom has been established, but it has not yet fully been realized. And that in the interim, until such time as Christ comes back and actually rules and reigns over all things, which we'll look at as the final point of all things, our job in the interim is to implore all people to step through the doorway and enter into their humanity. And as more and more people enter into their humanity, so more and more of the kingdom that is buried just beneath the surface of this fading world is revealed in the lives of those people who take on their Christ nature as they die to themselves. That's the purpose of your world. See, <laughs> I don't know what you were looking at when you went to school, right? When I was in school and people said to me, what do you want to do when you're big, right? I would always say, I want to be a marine biologist. And the reason I wanted to be a marine biologist is because I just thought they swam with dolphins all day long. <laughs> and so I wanted to be a marine biologist, yeah? And that may have been cool. Maybe, maybe you wanted to be a lawyer. Maybe you wanted to be a doctor. Maybe you wanted to be a CEO. Maybe you wanted the corner office. I don't know what the ambition of your life looks like, right? I don't know what title or letters, you know, I'm going now to graduate and that means I get some letters behind my name and that's all cool. But I, I don't know what your ambition looks like. But here's what I want to say. Regardless of of what you think success looked like or what you think a great title looked like, I just want to say that I'm pretty convinced that nothing coming down the road of your life is going to be greater than being called the mouthpiece of God. <laughs> no purpose, right? No purpose, whether it's heart transplants or coming up with some kind of new cure or a breakthrough in some kind of academic circle or being an amazing entrepreneur and building an incredible business. No purpose on this planet surely can be greater than reconciling God back to man, than reconciling dislocated humanity back to its creator and in so doing, bringing redemption and reconciliation to the whole planet. No purpose surely can be greater than declaring to all people, those people who are so ashamed of what they've done, who feel like they are so far from God. I was walking through the Mall of America here in Minneapolis last night. And can I just say only one mall? One mall for the whole of America, right? That's an interesting name for it. And I'm just saying, does the whole of America come to Minneapolis to come to the mall of America? Anyway, I was walking through the mall and uh, I, I'm, I see this girl and she's sitting there. Man, and she just looks so 
down. She just, you know, in the world, it just seems over her. She's got a hoodie over her head and you can just see her whole body posture is overwhelmed and she's sitting outside in the cold, smoking a cigarette, staring out into nothingness, right? Here in the in the hotel where I'm staying uh, this evening, um, shout out to my friends who allowed me, who helped me out with the hotel room. You guys are so generous and I'm so grateful to you. But here in the hotel room where I'm where I'm staying at, I met this lady behind the desk and you could see she had like track marks on her arm and um, she obviously had come out of a pretty rough background and you could see she just her own internal world just struggling, man. And I looked at this lady and I just had compassion on her. And and I look around at the, even walking through the streets of New York and you just see person after person after person. And it, it you know, the words that kind of dawn on me is when Jesus says that he looked on the people and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, right? It just seems to me that what could be a greater task in the world right now than being used by God to reconcile people back to their creator to declare to all people that the way is open the door is wide open and everybody's invited everyone's invited in heaven has crashed into our reality people don't have to wait in their depression and their brokenness and their darkness in order to experience the goodness of god that goodness is available now what a purpose but we only really step into that purpose when we embrace the new person. See, the more you want to hold on to the old which is gone, the less you're able to step into the new which is here. And that's why you can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. And all of this may sound really, really exciting. Uh, but if you're like me, if you're a normal person, you listen to this and you go, that's amazing, Matt, but that's a, that's a big call. I mean, how, how do we even step into that, right? And that's, that's where we look at this idea that there is a new power in operation, right? So there's a new person that we become. This person comes with a purpose, and that purpose is massive, and it results in our need for power. But that power is available, right? That power comes in the person of Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit, who is poured out on people who believe. This is why in, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, go be a witness in the whole earth, but wait until you receive power in the Holy Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, then you can be a witness, right? You'll start to operate in the personhood that is Christ. This is why it's, it's not you that's the hope of glory, but Christ in you that's the hope of glory. And what is Christ in you? The Holy Spirit, right? So somehow in a supernatural way, God in all God's fullness embodies those people who have walked out of the tomb with Jesus, with his presence and his power in order to fulfill his purpose. I know this all gets very super Marvel superhero-ish when we start talking about God living inside of us. And as we've said time and time again, you know, the temptation is always to over-rationalize God. And we can't do that, right? This is profoundly supernatural. The Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and, and begins to move us toward that full humanity that God has for us. This is the supernatural nature or the supernormative nature of what God is doing in our lives. And so we can look at this massive, huge purpose that we now have, that heaven crashes into us and pours out of us into the world. And we become reconcilers and ambassadors of a new reality right in the midst of this one. We, are, we can feel the, the right weight of that and go, that, that's a lot to take on. And then we can be so grateful that the power is not ours, but it's his. And that we have received this power from on high, which is the indwelling presence of God, to become Christ-like and to take on this Christ-like mission in the world. And so we become walking outposts of God's reality by God's power, declaring to all people that the way is 
open and that everyone is invited to the party. The neighborhood that you live in, it doesn't have to be that way, right? The, the person down the street, the guy at your local coffee shop where you go at least once a week and, and you meet people and you pass by people in streets and in malls and in shops, in your workplace, in your school environment, wherever you are in your university space and you see people dejected and broken and overwhelmed by the weight of a society that has lost its compass bearings. It doesn't have to be this way. Heaven has crashed in, right? But God's, God's plan to let it crash out into those worlds and into those places, into those people's lives, it's through you. And he's provided a power where you become a walking agent of redemption in the earth. That's, that's your purpose in the world right now, right? So if you just embraced a gospel that allowed you to be passive, just sit on your couch, watch uh, Game of Thrones reruns, eat popcorn, and just wait for heaven to come one day, you have completely missed the point with all due respect. The point is not that you would just bunker down until you get to heaven. The point is that heaven has come to you, and you now walk around in the world as an ambassador of that kingdom, bringing reconciliation between God and men everywhere you go. Your life has an enormous God-sized, God-pictured purpose and the power of God is available to you in the Holy Spirit to walk that purpose out. What a thing. That's the end of the gospel. The end of the gospel now. Where does all this land? Why? Why do you do this so that you can be great? No, 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 no. The end of the gospel we read again in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, it says here, the end of this is that God may be all in all, right? The end of the gospel, the end of the purpose of your life, the reason that God has made us his righteousness and given us this ministry of reconciliation, that he's given us this work to reveal his kingdom is so that God may be all in all, that all things would come around him, that all of creation would look to him and be amazed. He is the point. And, and we're gonna, we experience that in part on this side of eternity. But on the other side of eternity, we'll experience that in fullness. When the kingdom that has now been established reaches its full consummation in the person of Jesus, that, that not yet reality of God. Let me, let me read to you from Revelation 21 what happens then. It says here, Revelation 21 verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth disappeared. The sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. For he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. 
What a promise. What a hope. What a future. That's how the story ends, friends. And that's why we can be people of an audacious hope today because our hope is anchored in an eternal promise of a reality that's coming, of the point of this entire story, the thing that Jesus came to leverage into reality, where all things end with God, where God is all in all, where all creation is around him, where he is our God and we are his people, where the weeping and crying and mourning and gnash, where all of that has come to an end. And the doorway to that reality is open for all people right now through the person of Jesus. He's saying, come, come and enter into your purpose. Come and find your humanity. Step out of the smallness of your own thinking. Recognize that you died. And when you walked out of the grave, when you walked out of the tomb, you walked out as Christ in you, who is the hope of glory. Christ in us, his people, we are the hope of glory. We are God's agents on the earth to begin to reveal now what will come in its fullness later. And what will come in its fullness later? God in all his glory. Everything will be about him, for him, through him, to him, in him. And that father has raised up to the highest place, this Jesus. And he has an authority and a power to take your life from from an inferiority from a small-minded thinking that's centralized on you and to place it in a way that is centralized on him where you die and he lives, where your small ambitions are replaced with his eternal purposes and you and I become ambassadors of a new reality in the earth. What, what a privilege. What a promise. What a dream. Heaven, friends, has crashed in and now it wants to crash out of your world into the lives of those around you. And that is the gospel. That's the gospel. And my prayer for you is that you would say yes to that incredible privilege, that you would trade up from small-minded thinking into God-sized purposes. And so that is um, a death in the family, another good news. I really do hope that this series has been helpful for you. Uh, where do we go from here? I'm not exactly sure yet. Uh, probably be quiet for a few weeks. Uh, like I said, I've got graduation and then I'm spending some time with some friends this side. And then uh, I'll be back in SA and doing some preaching and teaching in Joburg and Durban and, and around. Um, and so we'll just we'll just be prayerful and listening for what what God would want to say next. Um, if you have specific things that you would want to speak into or hear on this podcast, uh, feel free to email me um, Matt Lewis five one six at gmail.com. and let's chat. Let's see what, where we could go from here. But as I said right at the beginning of of the series, we don't want to make episodes for the sake of making episodes. We we want to listen in for what God's doing. And then we want to respond to that. And so here's, here's a challenge. Um, maybe instead of waiting for the next episode, maybe re-listen to some of these and then maybe live it out. That, that might be your next step to actually take what you've heard here, if it's been impacting you and helping you, and live it out. Because there has been a death in the family and it has resulted in all kinds of good news. And that good news is not just good news for some, not just for you, not just for our private Christian communities, but for the whole world. The gospel is not a Christian issue. It's a human issue. And the way is open for all to know what it means to be alive. And the invitation is for you to be a part of that story. I hope you say yes to it.
And so until next time, uh, if you're into prayer, pray for me. I'll be going out to graduate this weekend and, and then, like I say, busy with a bunch of things. Um, otherwise, thank you so much for listening and we will chat soon. So it won't be too long, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but we'll, we'll just wait on the Lord and just see what he has for us next. Uh, thanks always for listening and we'll chat soon. Thank you.